Sometimes you just want to watch the fucking movie. Oh, yes. Oh, God, yes. Welcome back to Is It Still Good? This is the show where we take our rose-colored glasses. We take them from Chicago to Paris to Dallas to where the hell am I now? And we leave them there. Graham. We no longer have them. Um, and so it's without those glasses that we have to be forced to look with the eyes that remain upon the culture of our youth. Uh, today's a very special day as far as culture of our youth. Uh, we are two grown-up film students who hate growing up. We have, uh, we're plus one today, which is exciting. I'm Bear Kennedy in Chicago. Joining me as always. Andrew Carter in Los Angeles. We have a very special guest today. Definitely a friend from our youth, if you want to call it that. College is a very youthful, immature time. But we have the lovely, the talented, the star, Michael Vlamis in the house. What's up, guys? Hey, guys. Thank you. Thank you. I thought you were going to say King, Andrew, but you didn't. King Michael Vlamis. Um, <laughs> I only say that because he says that all the time. Not I refer I to Vlamis as King. I like yeah, saying yeah. King. It's nice. We, but Vlamis, we all actually went to college together. Um, Vlamis is a Chicago kid, um, Shire Die Pride. Bear lives in Chicago, so they have that connection. Shire um, Die, we also, met, I met Bear at orientation. Yeah, before the, um, before the real shit, like my parents in their old house had like a reception for people going to Chapman from Chicago. So that was like maybe six people because <laughs> it's pretty <laughs> it fucking yeah. far away from Orange County. But that was, uh, I think that was my parents did that too in Connecticut. Did they? Are you get the fuck out of here? I'm not even kidding. There was like four people, and I'll never forget. I I forget two of them, but there was there were other there was two others where one of them one of these girls was a uh, was a triplet, and she she didn't come with her siblings or whatever, but she like all she wanted to hear about was the parties and the social life. Like, so she was like very, yeah. like, it was a, it was a classic thing of like around her parents. She was like, Oh, and the professors and the education. And the minute her parents walked away, she was like, so what's going on with the parties? Where are we, where are we <laughs> fucking party? <laughs> and then there was another kid whose family was friends with Brett Ratner and he mm, was a film student. Sick. So he's like, yeah, I know. Great so he guy. was like, yeah, great, f- fantastic guy. Great um, and he was like, I got to go to the set of rush hour three. And I was like, one. "Oh, cool!" And this was the summer of two. Yeah, this was summer of two thousand eight, right after uh, Indiana Jones four came out. And he's like, "Did you see it yet?" And I was like, "Oh yeah." And I was like, "Yeah, I didn't really like dig it." What, what did you think? And he was like, "Well, I went opening day. I had my hat, and my whip, and I was." And I'm not even kidding. This is like a nineteen year old. And I was like, "Oh, cool, man, nice." And I was trying to be nice, but I was like, "Whoa, this guy's." <laughs> and I saw him on campus like once or twice, and like said hi, but that was it. Um, that's funny oh, that's that you good. did that in your house. Then too. you ended up bullying him. Yeah, you did. You yeah, bullied yeah, him as terrible. an adult, you piece of shit. How dare I you? still bully him. He lives. He lives on my block. I still. He won't walk this way because of me. <laughs> Damn right. <laughs> yeah, but uh, we have Vlamis on the show because we are in um, episode the 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 next episode of our Christmas movie and Christmas cocktail month, and we are discussing Home Alone. It's very applicable to have Michael because, as we said, Chicago kid. It's a Chicago Christmas classic. It's a Christmas classic. It's a comedy classic. It's a lot of classics. And we made certain themed cocktails to go along with it. Um, 
So we're going to hold them up now. We're going to introduce what we're having. Uh, I, I, am I made having, a double because I, I didn't want to get up again when I finished. It's a little later <laughs> in the day move. for me, so I'm going to start so, drinking. Bear, are you having the Les Incompetents as well? I am. Yep, I made it. Yeah. I uh, used a larger glass, no ice. I, I cooled it down and then left the ice in the glass. I shook it. mine up so it's cold. And this is yep. vermouth, cognac, and Grand Marnier with a, a couple cranberries in there, frozen cranberries. I also, just in case, I'm not, I haven't tasted this yet, but I did get a sparkling cranberry beverage from Trader Joe's that I might add. Should, should I, should it need it? It might not. It looks pretty good. Um, uh, I'm, I'm just drinking what I think the wet bandits were probably drinking before they started their journey. And that was probably just whiskey. So, <laughs> yeah, way to go. Just whiskey and lime. That's, that's the way to go. Yeah, Cheers to you guys. Lime. Cheers yes. to you guys. Let's all have this. Let's see how this is. Fire die. Oh, yeah. Oh, mine's strong. That's wet. Fuck. It's wet. I like yep. that, though. That's, That's good. That's not bad. That's not, it's it's not bad. I was expecting it to be, I was expecting it to be like all bite and no taste, but there's, it has a bite, but there's a nice taste to it. It's good. I had to, I had a hell of a time getting cognac, which I, I do have on my bar usually, but I didn't. So I had to go to the grocery store because I live in the city it was behind a fucking case and it took like 10 minutes to get the, the liquor manager with the key to give me like half a fifth of Remy Martin. That's $22. Cold, it's yeah, I know. I didn't want to be standing around there uh, more than I had to. So that was a, a bad experience. Uh, You've that, had that some bad a, luck going to liquor stores lately. Yeah. I'm getting shit on every liquor buying opportunity I have. So maybe um, you should stop drinking. Absolutely not. That's out of the question, what, but we need to find some drinks based around things I already own, because I keep having to acquire things. Uh, <laughs> it's going poorly. Yeah, oh, that's totally fine, though. I mean, we're, we're, we're going to make it work. Um, we, this we, is we good, though. I, I like this. It this is, is not bad. What whiskey are you having, Blam? Uh, it's a Woodford Reserve. Okay. My manager gave me a Maker's Mark 46, and usually I'm drinking, like, red wine lately, but I drank that Maker's, and I was like, oh, this is good. I, I'm going to keep trying different whiskeys. Then I went to this like Eagle rare and now I'm on the Woodford reserve. And so, you know, I'm trying to, I'm trying to feel out if I'm a full blown whiskey guy and what the whiskey is, but Woodford reserve is good. The did you get it in? Did you get like, it in Santa Fe? Oh yeah. I get it in Santa Fe. I like going to this specific checkout woman who, uh, who watches the show, you know, it makes me feel good. Nice. So I go up to her and <laughs> she's always like, Oh, I saw you on Instagram today. And I go, yes, you did. Yes, you did. <laughs> That's amazing. Angel's Envy is a good compliment to that. And then um, it, it's going to be tough to get out where you are, but you might be able to have family send it to you. Uh, Koval makes a good bourbon and a good rye, and they make it oh, wow. uh, two blocks from my house here. Oh, nice. Um, so oh, wow. So that's really business. local. Yeah, sure. That's, that's great. Chicago, I will definitely do that. I just hunted yeah. down my favorite Jardinier, um, uh, Marconi's. They have it at, they sell it at the world, uh, the world market here in Santa Fe. Nice. That's a so, huge that's get. great. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, the world market's huge. Um, and for the, anybody listening that Vlamis just said she watches the show, if you don't know, uh, Michael Vlamis is one of the stars of the CW's Roswell, Roswell New Mexico. Um, he is a fan favorite, Michael Guerin, uh, a bisexual alien in a lot of love triangles all the time. Beautiful story. And truly, and I'm not just saying this because he's an old friend and just a great friend, he really does give a fantastic performance on that show. Um, he's lovable and raw and gritty and shirtless and goddamn, it's amazing. Um, but do you want to, so are you, you're in Santa Fe now, you're on location and you're in your 
place where you're where you're staying there, right? Your house. Oh yeah, my casita. Nice. Ah, yeah. casita. So how's this been? How's the shoot been going with with COVID restrictions? How much? What's changed from this season to the last? Because you're on season three. Yeah, yeah. I would say like almost everything's changed uh, in a lot of ways. Um, you know how? I mean, you guys both know being on set is so fun. There's such a community that's being built. It's these people kind of become your family, especially when you're doing a TV show and you're there for seven months, right? Like we're here seven months. So um, I would say the, the hardest part has been the lack of, there's still the social interactions, but like the actors cannot eat lunch with everyone. We can't even go near the catering um, because we have to be in specific bubbles, specific zones. In case there is a breakout in our zone, then it's only, you know, it's, it's captured in our zone and it doesn't spread elsewhere. So because of that, it's, it's kind of weird because there's already that actor stigma that's like, you know, actors don't want to eat with the crew or like actors just go to their trailer or in between, in between scenes, they're like chilling in the corner or something. Yeah, and like, like, don't like, talk to them. They're in character. Yeah. Yeah. Like I do that stuff when it's like, if it's like a very deep scene, it's a big day. I got something that like, I don't know, you know, getting a little method, whatever. But I like interacting with everybody. You know, I like talk shooting the shit with transpo and hearing the stories um you know you get great stories from all these people that have been working yeah. in new Mexico and have done so many movies out here with huge stars and the nitty-gritty like the stuff that they have to tell is so cool and now it's like when you're getting that story you're six feet away at all mm -hmm. times because we have COVID officers compliant officers on set making sure that we're six feet away um mm -hmm. you know you got the mask on always when they yell action i can't tell you how many times they've yelled action i've been so just in the zone that I forgot to take my mask off and the scene starts and I've got my mask on and they're like, cut the fucking mask. And I'm like, you know, we don't <laughs> oh, no. with your scene. and I've been like working with someone. And I've been like, uh, dude, your mask, you know? And, but so wow. you know, it's just, it's more of an annoyance than anything. Um, but our show is doing a phenomenal job. Uh, we didn't have, we were, we were the longest lasting show from pre-production, which started in August till like, I don't know, end of October to have a COVID test. We only had one positive test in that span. Wow. Which was, since then, we've had a few more, but we've never had a shutdown. New Mexico is very strict too. You get four COVID tests in a week, you have to shut down for two weeks. Right. So that's why, you know, Jay-Z shooting a Western out here right now. I think they had to deal with something like that. Um, Jay-Z shooting a Western? Yeah, dude. All black Western. Lakeith Stanfield. It's wow. Sick. Yeah, yeah. It looks dope. So... I love it. you say Lakeith Stanfield say no more I'm in yeah I mean there's a ton more people in it too but I, that's yeah. I'm really a big fan of Lakeith because he's like around our age and I you know I look up yeah to he's him. great I hated being on set I hated the social interactions and that's why I ended up in post-production so like born born to be an I, engineer I love that Vlamis is like you guys know you love being on set. I was like, nope. Bear's just been <laughs> silent for the last it. two yeah, minutes. I know. I just <laughs> did not did not enjoy it, um, but that's okay. Everyone has a different thing. It's a collaborative effort, so you need all. Yeah, that. definitely. I've been on enough sets with Andrew. I know Andrew likes it. That's true. Yeah, we we have a good time on set. We've 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 made some fun stuff. We. Uh, yeah. I feel like we have a very good like you know, just uh, like a understanding and there's a there's not only a mutual respect but there's like an adder there's an adoration and an yeah. admiration where it's just like yeah you do your thing man and uh, <laughs> i respect it and also but also dude i really have, i've always liked how you you know you just said what you said about how you like talking to the crew and stuff and you do actually practice what you preach you you do talk to everybody and you always look them in the eye and shake your hand so yeah i imagine that is a little challenging right now to not be able to do that 
Yeah, some days I'm not gonna lie, it's nice because some days, like, I mean, dude, when I'm in like a good mood, everything's firing on all cylinders. I'm feeling great. I like talking to everybody. I like right. shooting. I like knowing the actual details about the dude who runs maintenance at the studio to the dude who runs our crafty. Right. But then some days, man, I don't want to fucking talk to anybody. And right. the mask kind of protects you from doing that. Yeah. <laughs> the mask is almost like a great oh, way to look at it. I could pretend I didn't see him. You know, like I'm not the guy, I'm usually the person always saying hi, whatever, but like sometimes you just don't want to do that. You know, and, and I well, also you're working that. on, I mean, obviously every set's different and this could happen on a comedy too, but like you're working on a dramatic show and there are scenes where you really have to bring it a lot. You, you, you've, I mean, your character gets put through the ringer and yeah. it's like, yeah, it's same you know, shit this season, man. Every season, my character, right. You know, he grew up in the foster care system, was beaten, cigarettes burnt out on him. He's like the Matt Damon, Goodwill hunting, like he's got a lot of issues, you know, and it just gets worse and worse and worse every season which is so yeah well of course that's your contention you're a first year grad student next year you're gonna be in here regurgitating gordon wood talking about (laughs) the pre-revolutionary utopia of uh yeah do you have any thoughts of your own on this matter were you gonna plagiarize the whole thing oh it's great dude um but yeah no that's that's uh i'm glad to hear that everything's you know good and safe there we can we can probably talk a little bit more about roswell later on but uh but it's time to get into home alone um so it must be said 30 years old this year uh november 16th 1990 is when the movie came out obviously we were michael you might have only been a few months old if i'm not mistaken I was, yeah i was born in 1990 i'm 30 yeah. now so yes right. i was born in march i was born in august of 88 and bear was around the same time so we were may. two so i and may there you go yeah so i was not i obviously didn't remember when it came out but i remember it on vhs uh vividly but uh Michael, what was your earliest memory of seeing Home Alone? And obviously, I'd be remiss if I didn't ask, was there a certain pride that you had with that film growing up because you're a Chicago kid and it takes place in Chicago? Yeah, well, that's the, that's the funny thing about it. I think I was so young when I watched it. I think I was a John Hughes fan before realizing I was a John Hughes fan, right? Like, I, just in recent years, I realized, oh, that movie I loved, Adventures in Babysitting, was a John Hughes movie. Like, I didn't right. even know. Because back then, growing up, in, maybe it was different for you guys, right? But like, no, I, I think I know what you're about to say. And and every time you had like a movie day, if you went to high school in Chicago, it was probably Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Oh yes, like you, you couldn't escape like the Chicago movies when you had like a substitute teacher who's who's just phoning it in. That's oh, hilarious. Wow. That that is 100 percent the one. And also, it was like. Uh, the car, the Ferrari had like fallen off. I think it was Ferrari, right? The red one. Yep. It, it yeah. fell off the back of a house that was like down the street from my house in our suburb of Payless Park. And it was always Ferris Bueller's. But what the thing that I was really going to say was like, back then, like I didn't even, movies, like we watched movies and we loved movies and we talked about them, but I never thought about them on like a, a bigger scale of like who directed them or who wrote them or anything like that, right? So I didn't even realize that I was like obsessed with this Chicago filmmaker and was lo- loving all of his films. Um, so like looking back on it, Home Alone was something that, that I watched. And back then, I, I don't even think it registered with me when I was like eight years old and saw it that, oh, that's so cool that it's in Chicago. You know, you're just like, yeah. oh, I live here. That's where it is. And then as you get older and you realize nobody in Chicago that I know in high school, especially, right, 
was doing film or doing anything like that or knew anybody doing film. So then in high school, I feel like is when it really started hitting me like these movies shot in Chicago, man, that really means something. These Chicago filmmakers coming back here and doing that when mm -hmm. all in your mind, it's always Los Angeles, Los Angeles. So it's like movies like that, that kind of, you know, e even though not all the filmmakers are Chicagoans, it kind of like gives you hope that, oh, when I'm making movies with my friends in fifth grade or, you know, and, and through middle school and, oh yeah, looking back on it, maybe, maybe Chicago people can be in the industry. Maybe we can do this, you know, um, in, in, cool. in, a, in a weird way. But I will say rewatching it, rewatching it was like, it was as if I was watching it for the first time. Well, when was the last time you watched it before this? Did you watch it recently for this show? I watched then, it recently for the show. Do you remember yeah. the last time you saw it before? Um, Could have been a bit. I think it was at a sleepover. <laughs> I was like, wow. <laughs> like, Ken, man. Holy shit. You had an... Get the fuck out of here. I, wow. Like, I, I was, I texted my, I texted one, I texted Bash, you know Bash, Andrew. Yeah. One of our buddies and I was Shout like, Shout out to Bash. Yeah, what up Bash and Aaron? Great guy. Great guy, um, great manager. Great manager, writ large, here we go. Um, dude, I texted him because I was like watching it now after being in the industry for a little bit of time. I was like, dude, not only, okay, yeah, the movie's great, but it's just so well directed. Like something that I would have never paid attention to before, but it is phenomenally directed, even from the shots of like the camera being on the sled before it goes down and, you know, mm -hmm. or like going into the treehouse. Like he puts you in the seat of Kevin McAllister. Yeah. And he made you experience what he was experiencing. And as a kid, I never thought of any of those things. I just laughed and hoped that my friends would pass me a vanilla Coke and I could eat some hot Cheetos and wouldn't gain too much weight at the sleepover. Well, and a, a lot of it, a lot of it shot from a, an angle where the camera's looking up at everyone else. Like right. a lot of a ton of it is. So yeah, I agree that that shot with the sled on top of the stairs, I, I've spent, I was watching it last night and I told my girlfriend, I spent my whole life trying to pull that off. That is all I've ever wanted out of a house was have a stairway that was lined up so I could fucking do yeah. that, and I've never yeah. gotten it. Yeah. Uh, but that's, that puts you in his eyes. But almost everything else, like the pizza scene, anytime he's around someone else, you're yeah. looking up like you're in his little eyes, which is very interesting. He's yeah. very clearly the, the perspective character of the whole movie. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and his interaction with, like his first interaction with Buzz, how he kind of like appears behind Buzz. <laughs> so and he's like, what? yeah, and he's like, Buzz. And then it cuts to the coverage from... Kevin's point of view and Buzz is just staring like, don't you know how to knock Flemwa just right <laughs> down at him? I love how that scene's directed, but I also love the entire uh, preceding few minutes of that steady cam just kind of upstairs as he's going into all the rooms and in and out and weaving in and out because it really captures the manic energy of this family and how out of place he feels. Because if yep. you notice, we're always following Kevin as he goes from one place to the other. And in every place he goes, someone is settled there. He's not settled. He's constantly moving around and he feels out of place. And it really shows throughout the whole film, especially in those first several minutes of like, oh my God, this, there's a reason why this kid is like, you know, I wish my family would, I, I want to live alone yeah. or whatever. Oh, and I, I told my girlfriend too, like I'm the oldest. I have a, a younger sister and she has two younger sisters. We're both the oldest, but I'm the youngest cousin because both of my parents like the youngest of four um so oh, i wow. told her like i had this experience like i had to go do something else while everyone else watched an r-rated movie like i i know what this was like to be that kid oh, who yeah. just like hey can you just go busy yourself because get the fuck out of my way 
Um, and this time watching it, that first 10 minutes is like, oh my God, this is exactly what it's like when you're in any situation where everyone's fucking older than you, they all know what to do. And you're like, I have nowhere to be. I can't watch the movie everyone's already doing. And I guess I'll just bother my parents. Yeah. Uh, it, it's amazing how, how well that comes through. My favorite line oh, yeah. in that opening rewatching it was, uh, when I, when I get married, I'm going to live alone. <laughs> There's so many just like, just simple jokes that are so I, good. I love that. When I'm getting married, yeah. I'm going to live alone. It's so dumb. I love it. When I grow up get married, I'm living alone. What about you guys growing up? Do you actually, I mean, do you actually remember, you know, I remember like going to the video store and renting things. I, I don't really yeah. remember my experience of watching it that young. Do you guys remember it? I owned the VHS. I never rented this one. I owned this VHS. Oh, wow. I owned the uh, part two as well. So I don't remember watching it for the first time, but I remember watching the hell out of it. Uh, I remember specifically like rewinding parts of it. Um, like when <laughs> Buzz tells him he wouldn't let him sleep in his room if you were crowing on my ass. And like, I knew that was a bad word. So I used to rewind that and play it all the time. Yeah, I thought die it was laughing. Yeah, I, was, I, probably, I, I don't know if I still have the tape. Like my parents mm -hmm. might have it in their house. But I probably, that thing, I probably wore the the magnetic film off of that tape, just oh, rewinding yeah. it and constantly uh, playing it. It probably looks like shit if it's still around. I what was funny, thing. yeah, what was funny for me, like, to answer your question, Michael, it's like, I agree, like, with I'm the same with Bear. I didn't actually own the VHS, but I do remember um, just, like, in the like periphery like I remember renting I don't re necessarily remember like a specific night of renting it and watching it but I just remember like having that videotape from the academy video store and watching it but a few things that were interesting upon watching it last night and then reading a little bit about it after one thing I learned that when it was released on home video in August of 91 it was one of the first movies if not the first movie I can't remember um, to go straight to home video sales and not the rental market because Fox knew they had a huge hit. And because of that, everyone bought it because it was more expensive as a, in terms, it was more expensive to buy it than it was to rent it. So they were like, let's just make it only available to buy when we release it on home video. And because of that, it made like $150 million for them in if those sales. I, I can't remember if it was this one or part two, but I, uh, on the VHS that I owned, they had a American Airlines commercial and a Pepsi Girl commercial in front of it. I remember. I can't remember too. if it was both of them or if, if one was on. Um, I think it was. I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure the Pepsi thing might have. Well. Well, he says easy on the Pepsi, and, and Roy yeah. Culkin gives a hard like. I'm drinking a fucking Pepsi. Oh it's the yeah. Choice of a new generation. But American Airlines. I feel like that could have been it, but I but I also think that American Airlines is a little bit more prominent in Home Alone 2 because there's a lot more air travel in it. I agree. Um, but having said that, I remember the rental, I remember watching it, but one thing that didn't, and I wanted to ask you guys this, it didn't register until later for me, maybe even like high school even, that like, oh, this is a Christmas movie too. Because I always looked at Home Alone when I was younger, like this is just a hilarious comedy. Every line feels like a classic you know, like Buzz, your girlfriend, Woof, you know, like Flemwad, Growing on My Ass, Les Incompetents, like so many things just feel like a classic 90s, just wisecracking. And, and I also, the, one of my favorites is when he talks about uh, Uncle Frank won't let me watch it. It's not even rated R. He's just being a jerk. Like I, I had a friend. Well, if Uncle Frank says it's, it's like not that. good, it's probably really bad. 
Yeah. Uncle yeah. Frank is maybe the best periphery character. Oh, I mean, it's what easy to say, Buzz, name? but Uncle Frank stealing the, the fucking silverware and shit from the airplane. Oh, oh. oh yeah. Constantly. The, the free champagne, the fact that he won't pay for the pizza. He's like, he just picks it up and he just goes, uh, my brother's place, he'll pay for it. it. Yeah, yeah, my brother's got it. What a fucking heel. <laughs> um, yeah, it's amazing. Flamus, I can't believe you hadn't seen this in 20 years. I can't either. I that, that is hardcore. That, that is a long time to go. I, I mean, I love when that happens because it does legitimately feel like you're watching it for the first time again. I watched it for the, yeah, I watched it. I watched it for the first time basically this week. Yeah, that's, that's amazing. Um, it's amazing. And it was so good, dude. It was so inspiring. I actually so um, so my writing partner, you know, Andrew Kyle Anderson. He yeah. is shout out to Kyle obsessed with Home Alone. He's from Michigan, Midwest. Like he's up. He's got blonde hair, like Macaulay Culkin. He's obsessed with Home Alone and Home Alone he too. Is- Kyle's really funny too. He's yeah, a very yeah. funny and, and guy. Like, we've actually worked in like home, a lot of Home Alone references into some of our scripts. And it's <laughs> the Michigan kid pushing that even more than me. Um, but because he, he just, he watched it. He was the guy who owned it there and just watched it on. Right. Um, is there a reference you can talk about? Like what, if, what kind of stuff, are you proud of anything you've worked in? Um, oh, that was a Home yeah. Alone reference. Definitely. We've got a thing where, um, these kids are coming together. It's a, it's a, a script that it's an idea that Andrew and I actually uh, originated together. And um, a long time ago uh, about these like kids who want to become mobsters, right? Oh, yeah, they yeah. Have the opportunity to become mobsters. And uh, these like other high school kids find out that these girls are maybe in a mob and they want to join their mob and their band is called the sticky bandits. Nice. Right? So, like, nice. That's one of the that's things. Very, that's good. And then, and then there's a scene where, you know what what I love is when that scene when Daniel Stern is like outside the back door and he's playing the what is it angels have fallen or whatever angels with filthy souls angels with filthy souls yeah 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 and he's playing angels with filthy filthy souls and he's like ain't you know AC don't live there no more AC ain't in charge no more and uh, <laughs> we actually basically stole that for one of our scripts where that's amazing like, so that that reading of that was really funny to me casey <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> said 10 percent. that was so much more hardcore than it is in the movie <laughs> Dude, imagine imagine being that, that actor who, imagine being that actor who plays snakes like that's what he's most well known for like, he's he was snakes. he's a he was a character actor and he did other things but like the thing that he's most well known for is the movie within another movie right 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 absolutely i don't know him from anything yeah nothing yeah no no he's ain't in charge no more um <laughs> and yeah so we have something like that where where a dude's getting like interrogated and then later they're like trying to extort the guy's dad for money and they're playback they're like doing the playback which is basically what Kevin McAllister's doing the playback yeah. of a movie to scare someone. So we totally right. ripped that from Home Alone. Well, that is one of his superpowers, um, <laughs> is being lethal with the rewind button. And he expands on oh, that yeah. in part in part two, which uh, which we're gonna do a separate episode on. But that when I was watching it this time, and I was I, I was a little to very high this time when I was watching it. So I had some very weird thoughts. But that was one of them. I was like, holy shit, this kid too. is so good at just timing that rewind. Because I remember actively trying to do this trick at home with like movies because I thought there's always like a three second delay, dude. It never works. I know it never does. You can't fucking get it right. It's even worse now with DVR. It's fucking impossible. I know. But even on on tape, you just you could never get it. So it's amazing how good he is as part of his character, which I appreciate. 
Speaking of watching this a little high, I was I watched it a little high last night. And by the end of the movie, my high did like kind of wear off. But in the for the first part of it, uh, it was it was pretty strong. And a couple of things I noticed that I don't know if you would call them high thoughts or if just they were like, oh, I noticed them. But like um, the Cabbage Patch doll product placement in the attic, because that was around the time that those oh, things yeah. were just mm. fucking huge. Number one, um, I don't again, I don't I don't know if I would call this one a a high thought because I've always felt this way, but it just really hit me even more last night. The power outage sequence has always felt like a horror movie. It is, it's like, very scary. It's the very scary. Very the scary. Dutch angle, the low angle on the wreath. The fucking Santa Claus. Oh my the God. The Santa Claus face. Yeah. But here's the other thing. And I was doing, and I had read a little bit before uh, the movie. Um, read a little bit about it before I watched it. And it kind of dawned on me about like halfway through. So I paused it and wrote this down. And by the way, um, so Old Man Marley, uh, Chris Columbus, the director, he did an uncredited rewrite of the script and he added Old Man Marley. I, I saw that as well, the South Bend Shovel yeah. Slayer. Right, yeah, he added that whole character, which is, I think is a great move. I love that scene in the church. Um, but anyway, so what I wrote is this. It's amazing the gap between doing Home Alone and not doing Home Alone that the film and its legacy created for people that like worked on it or didn't work on it. So for example, John Hughes originally wanted a guy named Patrick Reed Johnson to direct it, but Patrick Reed Johnson couldn't do it because he was directing a movie called Spaced Invaders, uh, which only made $15 million. And Patrick Reed Johnson now is, he's, his most successful movie was a movie called Dragonheart. So at least he got to work with Sean Connery. I've seen Dragonheart. I remember seeing that on VHS on Christmas one year. Yeah. I remember that movie. Um, I don't, know, I don't remember being good, but I remember it. Yeah. Right. Well. And now he's a direct, he's a professor at the North Carolina School of the Arts. Um, and he also directed Baby's Day Out, which I loved as a kid. Oh, amazing. But like those, uh, yeah, I loved Some it too. But, crazy. Get out of here. Uh, but a lot of those movies weren't very successful. So it's like, it makes you think, God, imagine it. What if, what if he had gotten to direct it? It's like, what would his life have been different than it is now? And so then when he, when John Hughes finally got to Chris Columbus, he was like, here, I have two scripts for you. One of them was home alone. And the other one is called reach the rock, which I looked up reach the rock actually was made into a movie in 1998 and it made less than $5,000. Mm-hmm. Oh, so, so it just, just didn't come out. It just didn't No, it apparently it did like universal released it apparently, but like, I guess it or maybe straight to video or something. I don't know. Yeah. But like the crazy thing to me is like, again, like it's that gap, like between doing home, like this is, this is what happened to the people that didn't do it. And this is what also happened to the other movie that wasn't home alone, but home alone was this like massive fucking hit yeah. that exceeded everyone's expectations that, you know, catapulted careers and again, it's, it was just fascinating to me. Like it was definitely a Keanu Reeves whoa moment as I was a little stoned watching the movie. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was yeah. just like, I can't believe that 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 movie is that successful. That the other things just like in its you know in its wake, what it left is just like. Well, it held the record for like live action domestic comedy for like twenty years or something, right? Yeah. yeah. The Until the Hangover Part Two. Is yeah. that what it was? Yeah. Which is a weird way to get overtaken, but. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that, that, it's it's impressive. Think of all that. We'll think of all the stuff that came out between two thousand or nineteen ninety and twenty eleven. Yeah. That, yeah, that's a lot of stuff to 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 kind of weather the storm of having made more money than, yeah. uh, including the like the Hangover and like all the 
the prime uh, level Judd Apatow stuff that kind of came out in the early Yeah, 2000s. definitely. For sure. I also saw that uh, John Hughes gave Chris Columbus um, National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation first. Did you guys read yeah, that too? I did. And Chevy Chase just didn't really get along. And so he, Chris Columbus, like passed on it and was like, damn it, I'm never going to work with him now. And then he got home alone like two weeks later. Yeah. And, you know, also, dude, I didn't know. Uh, Chris Farley, this story is kind of sad, but Chris Farley auditioned for the role of the Santa Claus that <laughs> That would have been a wild cameo. When he yeah, that would have been amazing. Well, Col dude, I, Farley had like a few hours in the city before his audition, and you know, now, if he was still alive, it would be funny, but he came in fucking bombed. And they were just oh, like, man. Oh. Yeah, I'll take the other side. It's still funny. That's still funny. <laughs> I know, dude. <laughs> I respect yeah, it. I, I hate what happened to him, but I that is funny. Yeah, I know. Too. The fact that he came in, dude. Yeah, he went down in the Hancock building, man. My dad, my, my uncle was at work watching him get taken out. Wow. I mean, that, you know, we don't have to get dark Whoa. about it. Wow. Chicago fucking legend. Um, but can you imagine if Farley was the Santa Claus? That That's guy, so I don't know his name, but I recognized him too. He's an Armageddon. I, for, I forget his name too, but he's, he plays Max in Armageddon. Okay, yeah. that's his claim. I recognize him immediately. Um, that's a crazy story, Vlamis, that your uncle was there. That's like... Watched it happen. Yeah, watched oh him get wheeled God. out. Insane, man. Wow. Yeah, I didn't mean... I didn't want to get any get dark or anything. We're talking Home Alone, Christmas classics. Um, but there's but Chicago. Yeah, I mean, it's... That's a big Extreme local history. Yeah. That's Chicago, yeah. dude. There it is, you know? Bear, what about you with your Chicago? I mean, obviously, you know, you grew up in Youngstown, Ohio, but at the same time, Ooh. you still have a lot of love for Chicago. Did you have any pride with Home Alone when you were there? Um, yeah, not really. I mean, I, I identify as being from Ohio, even though I've lived here for 14 years or so, mm -hmm. uh, non-consecutively. So I know that's weird, right. but uh, I mean, I think as a kid – no matter where you live, you, you gradually come to realize that the world is bigger than whatever circle you're in. So, you know, you, you kind of know what's going on in your town or whatever, but even like the next town over, even Flamis, like where you were in uh, Palos Hills, I didn't know where the fuck that was. I, I went to high school in Hinsdale, which is probably 20 minutes away. Hinsdale yeah. Central or yeah. South? Central. And that, that could have been the fucking moon from uh, Stevenson. Right, uh, right, right. But it's as you get older, you, you realize that that's, you know, that that's that perspective is forced on you and you spend probably most of your life trying to open that up. Um, so I don't know. I don't have a ton of uh, pride of this movie in particular, like I do, um, you know, like Major League um, mm. for for Cleveland. But I mm -hmm. did when I was a sales rep, I used to cover the entire North Shore. So I used to, if I had like my boss or someone in my car with me, I'd take them by 671 Lincoln um, just to do a little lo little local diligence on, oh yeah, here's the house from- Good old Winnetka. Alone. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, where, where it's not even close to like the nicest house uh, up there, but looks identical um, if you go past it today. So I don't know, I, I love this movie. Yeah, I think I living in Chicago and then not living in Chicago for like, college and after made me appreciate some of the stuff that's in here that's clearly a nod to the area like he walks over a bridge as a metro train is driving mm. underneath him um there's a couple people who have great accents 
uh, the uh, accents are the supporting Excellent. character accents are unbelievable. Dropping weird shit like uh, talking about the Kenosha Kickers and how the polka band is very big in Sheboygan. Um, I mean, those are all really, really funny jokes, but I don't know, you know how they hit unless you're, uh, you kind of know was, the area. Like, that's amazing that if you yeah. know the area. Yeah. If you know, the Sheboygan thing was like something you just laughed to. Your yeah, like, like, it's funny because really his delivery is funny, but then we're like, oh, yeah, I know where that is. That's really funny. Yeah, right. Well, John Candy apparently was the only actor that John Hughes allowed to improvise during the movie, like, and go off script. And they had to shoot his scenes all in one day because that's all he was available for. And he was doing the movie as a favor to, to Hughes. And so all, apparently all his dialogues improvised. And I was going to say, I Amazing. love the, um, the improv about, you know, like, she's like, have you ever left your kid at home? And he's like, no. Oh. Did leave him in a funeral parlor, though. All day. All <laughs> oh, day. Okay. Yeah, like, about six, seven weeks. Him him the the yeah, him and the corpse. I was dying. Oh, I forgot how funny that was. And then she goes, oh, yeah. maybe we shouldn't talk about it. He's like, well, you brought it up, you know. I, just... <laughs> I can't believe that Catherine O'Hara didn't break. I mean, she's a... Oh man, a, a wonderful actress on her own right, but I don't know how the fuck you don't laugh when when John Candy is pulling that stuff at you in real time. Right, because she's um, just as good. That's she why. is, and, she's and she's amazing. She's very funny, and in this movie, she's not. She's the <sighs> warm heart of the film, and I don't know why, but she reminds me so much of my own mom. Mm. Like nothing alike. My mom's not a redhead, uh, but her performance <laughs> in this movie always makes me think of her. Um, there's also that's another cool. performance in this movie that's also very close to my family as well. Um, as Carter oh, we got to talk about this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Do you have a picture? I don't know if I don't have a really good this. one. I have one on my my wall that I'll I'll grab, but okay. I don't. You can't. I don't know that you can see the. Uh, so the I'll start with the. I'll, I'll let Bear introduce it more, but those of us that are friends with Bear like to say that his dad is Daniel Stern, and it's like. You know, everyone's like, oh, is like, is, are they related or, oh, does he like him? It's, and we just go like, no, his, his dad is Daniel Stern. I, I don't, I don't think this does it a ton of justice. That does uh, a pretty I good know, justice. The nose and the, the shape, hook, the hair. The hook nose. Yeah. This is a picture of him drunk at a meeting that I stole from his office and that I have in my office that I had in here for like three years before he noticed. So I, this that is, is like amazing. funny to me alone, but this is about, I, I, he looks even, Daniel Stern as he's aged looks weirder. Uh, and yeah. so does my dad, and they still look identical. They they look so much alike that yeah, I don't know how I separated that as a child. That it was your dad think the him. same thing. Does he agree? Oh, one hundred percent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he, does he get it? Do people go up to him and say, "Mr. Stern"? Has he, that well, ever happened? Typically, my friends do it to him, which he thinks is funny. But I don't. Yeah. I don't know that he's ever been caught in the wild with someone being like, "Hey, I, I loved your work in City Slickers," um, <laughs> or uh, th "Thank you for Leviathan." Here's yeah. the here's the question. Does he scream like Daniel Stern? No. Wow, no, great scream. That yeah. scream will never not be funny. Every ADR. every time I watch this movie. It was eighty yard? Eighty yard because they yeah, used the a real tarantula. tarantula. Yep. They used they a real one and he said you get one take. So he just went and they eighty yard it. Because apparently the tarantulas don't like sound. So if he would have screamed, he would have he would have scared it. They're, the tarantulas are cool. They don't they won't fuck oh you. Oh my up. god, just I didn't gross. know that. Yeah. How did you guys both know that? I don't know. I just, I just did. I'm, it might be just you live in Chicago. You know some of the trivia. Yeah, around that's what I mean. Just instinctively, like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. If we're being honest, I definitely looked up some things before this. You know, that's <laughs> no, that's what. That's no, it was osmosis. Yeah, that's it was beamed into my mind. Prepared, did you, did you guys read about how like they shot half in the house 
and then like they shot the rest yeah. of like the new nutri- the old nutrier high school building i read where the that, that offices that, were that's an interesting fact but i don't i don't find it to be that interesting that they would reconstruct the interior of a house no it's not in, it's yeah it's not like a fascinating thing it's just it's just cool to learn that because they shot it in nutrier high school i didn't the know old, one of the old buildings the old, as they moved one of the old it. buildings yeah it's just cool to learn that because so many of those rooms you know, and the way the steady cam moves, it just feels like why would they just not? Why wouldn't they just go back in there and shoot it? But obviously, with movies and certain angles, you have to get yeah, you, take you, out you have to reconstruct things. They um, had to build that. I guess they built that treehouse and they leveled it once they yeah. finished production as well. And then apparently, Joe Pesci um, was diff- more difficult to work with than Macaulay than the kid because everyone says, "Oh, don't work with kids or animals." But apparently, Pesci was difficult for two reasons. One, he always swore. Yeah. And they kept having to be like, dude, it's a PG movie. So that's why it's like the... That's like him creating... the uh the Qbert uh, swearing where it's just Yeah, he's doing like a Looney Tune because he can't swear. So he's just like making up his own language. And he also was really annoyed with the early call times because I guess they had to do it because of the kid. You can't shoot past 10 p.m. with a kid. And... He really pref- he preferred to start his <laughs> preferred to start his days with uh, nine holes of golf, and love apparently it. he took love it. one of the ads, one of the assistant directors, like by the shirt collar one day and was like, "Listen, I'm sick of this," and they they moved the call times back to nine a.m. so he I could love have. It golf in the morning <laughs> i i agree with him and i i don't play nine holes of golf every morning but i have a, a rule at my job where you are not to schedule a phone call with me before 10 a.m because i am not a morning person and fuck yeah. you hey man um, you know so i i really we're appreciate our, that we're he, in our 30s now it's like i love yeah. that yeah we're in our 30s now we have to learn things about ourselves like, Dude, and de niro, it's like you, you know, know that? that de niro was the guy they first wanted they first went to for that yeah role? yeah That's and john lovitz lovitz would be amazing dude. Love it yeah. to be. Oh really God, fun. no way, Pesci! Yes. I can't. Pesci, no, I can't Pesci see crushed it. Pesci crushed it. But I always think of John Lovitz in in Little Nicky, dude, just outside that window. <laughs> oh, he is funny. The ranch yeah. man, I just love him. See, John yeah, Lovitz is, scene is funny. He's he's the critic, and like that, that is always what I see him as. Uh, yeah, but maybe that's that's me being an old piece of shit. Wait, oh, what's that from? The critic, the TV show. I never saw it. The cartoon? Yeah, there. Yeah. So this is just yeah, me. There's you. You're old. Good. Old. But not old. Vlamis, talk, just, about early, talk about early wake-ups. Vlamis, you probably have to, you know, what's your earliest call time? I feel like when I came to visit you, you were at the door at 5 a.m. Yeah, man. That happened morning. all week last week. Uh, all week last week, that's what we did. All week this week, we did fucking like two to two. So it was, uh, you know, I slept in today till one o'clock because nice. i was up i made a steak at 2 a.m last night that's when i had my dinner i saw you know, your instagram like, story and i was like holy shit and then it's funny i logged on my disney plus account because i hey. gave the info to watch it and i have like a couple <laughs> people using it so there are different profiles and cool. i log on to mine and then it was and it said continue watching and it was like home alone 20 minutes left and i was like oh shit i i i, I didn't think about it but i clicked it and then i saw where it was and i was like i'm interrupting blamis's feed oh, did you so rewind I, a little bit because it started a little bit it started a little bit previous of where i actually oh it. I, was like, I was like oh disney plus is smart dude they just like in case you missed the last couple beats they're gonna rewind for you maybe that's what it was but i feel like i no did rewind way. it no but that's that's fucking crazy that's um, so but then i went dude. over to another one and just watched it that way oh yeah um, man but yeah i saw that you made you made a stake in the pan Steak in the pan, dude. Yeah, that's like good. A, like a, Love like it. A, like oh. you're in prison with the Goodfellas. It's just so easy. 
dude. I actually smoked a little butter. And then I Amazing. just I, I seasoned the shit out of the steak with this yeah, like seasoning, and I put tahini, which you know tahini they yeah. put on like fruit or margaritas, whatever. I put that on the steak too, and it's it's like my new favorite it's good thing. Stuff. Right I I smoked a tri tip last night, and we um and then I seared it with some butter and rosemary. It turned um, out in a cast iron. Yeah, it was really good. We made some tri tip sandwiches. What did you do for Thanksgiving? Smoked a brisket, and that turned out. Oh, dude, the brisket was like. I was shocked by how good it turned out. I sent, sent you, pictures. I sent you pictures. Oh, I sent I sent bear sent pictures. pictures. Yeah, yeah. That sounds amazing. It was. I was shocked because I we had this. Zoe got me a brisket for my birthday, mm. um, back in August. She also got me the smoker that I have been using, and which I just reminded me I need to clean that later. Um, <laughs> I did. I did terrible things in that smoker. Terrible things. But no, I and I had this. So we had this brisket in the freezer for months, and it was like this thing that was constantly intimidating me. Like smoke me. And I was terrified I was going to fuck it up because I've never smoked a brisket. I've only ever eaten it because it's, and there, it's funny. I don't want to sound conceited and be like, it was easy because it wasn't. But at the same time, it was, it was a lot less intimidating than I thought it was going to be. The biggest thing is temperature regulation because on my, on our place's rooftop, it can get very windy and that can fuck with the temperature of your smoker. That can like cause the temperature to drop a lot faster. So that's the biggest thing I was worried about because you have to maintain a steady temperature for several hours with a brisket. We were also lucky that it was a five pound brisket instead of a normal 10 to 12 pound brisket because you have to keep that fire going for like nine to 10 hours. This one, we only had to keep going for like five before we took it off and then uh, let it, because then you have to let it rest for an hour. Dude, you're and, a pro already, man. You made it one. You smoked one brisket. You just. I'm not a pro, everything. not even close. But I, but I definitely love doing it. Um, I, mean, I don't know, dude. Bear, he's a pro. He's That's been doing it. Yeah, he's been impressing me with his dedication to the craft. <laughs> it's pretty good. Hey, hey, speaking of food, is Nero's Pizza? That sounded familiar. Well, Nero's. Oh, I don't that. recognize it at all. I think it's a joke because Nero famously was an emperor of Rome who burned it down because he was crazy. Uh, so I think that's a deep <laughs> antiquity reference for those of us who are bringing a little history. Damn, home alone joke. That makes sense. By the way, here's a question I have. The trip to Paris. Do you remember when Catherine O'Hara was talking to Joe Pesci and she said, oh, my, my husband's brother is in, uh, it got transferred to Paris. His kids yeah. still go here. So he's treating us all to this trip for Paris um, for the, for uh, what's it called? For, uh, for the holiday, for Christmas. Is his brother someone that we don't see off camera or never see him? Never see him. Okay, he that's owns, what I thought. He okay. owns the home in New York as well. So the brother is actually better well off than John Hurd's character. Got it. That's what I thought because for a split second I was like, wait, is his brother Frank? And Frank's treating no. him to this trip, but he's so cheap. Like I, I can't just... I think I get the, the feeling that Frank is a brother in law. Um, but I I forget what the brother's name is. I know he's married to Andrew Jet. Uncle Rob. Rob and George, because he yells it yeah. through the mail slot in uh, part two. Yeah, and 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 this one he says, Rob, you know they say something to him because he's decorating the tree. I think we see him like hit the back of his head, Interesting. something like that. Yeah, he's um, he, he's never he's just alluded to, but yeah, that guy is rolling yeah. in it. Yeah, I I was I was so like miffed though because I was like, wait a minute, is he like? is like is that this is this the same brother who's like not paying for anything and he's like all of a sudden giving them this like amazing yeah. trip to paris yeah. <laughs> yeah, i think i think it's it's john Hurd's sister's married to uncle frank yeah i just yeah. figured he was gone because they asked the one girl you know are your parents home and are they here and she says yes they're home no they're not no, here yeah. you know and i was like okay then we're missing right. people yeah, yeah. Where are they? i had a, a huge maybe this is just 2020 uh coloring my reading of the film but this movie is 
virulently anti-police, which I really respect. Yeah. And uh, my, <laughs> my highest thought on this rewatch was that uh, Joe Pesci is not impersonating a policeman in the, in the first scene. Uh, Joe Pesci is a cop. Like he's like being like, a, he's, he, he, like, he is a cop. His side hustle realize. is he robs houses. I always assumed that he was impersonating a policeman. Uh, that is never confirmed. He, from what is presented, is a cop. Oh, you're saying within the story. He like, is a cop. He is a cop, but he's just fucking being, he's a bad cop. And he's a little too familiar with the cops arresting him at the end. Ah. Uh, I think he's a policeman. Uh, they also call the, if they call the cops in Chicago, they call Sar, uh, Lieutenant Balzac. Um, and obviously they get the runaround. That one cop shows up, does a piss poor job. Um, you know, ah, no one's here. Let's forget about it or whatever. Yeah, and he doesn't even uh, announce this, himself at the door. No, no. he doesn't identify himself. That. No, knock. no, 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 no. You got to announce. Yeah, yeah he knocks, a, but he doesn't say shit. Yeah, you got to knock, you got to announce. This is yeah. an anti-cop film, which I, I love. Um, and, and I never, I don't know why, I mean, maybe I'm just thinking about shit, uh, just given the state of the world. But uh, there, there's no point in the movie where they, they specifically say, Oh, good thing Joe Pesci dressed up like a cop. No, he he's just a policeman. Mm. Um, and he's just doing awful things on the side, uh, which, as we know, is true of every policeman. Um, so I really appreciate <laughs> it. Oh, so that, that was yeah. what the weirdest revelation I've had. I watched this movie a lot. This has been um, one I revisit quite a bit. The last time I saw it was, I think, two years ago in, in, around Christmas time. They did a, mm. a screening of it at the Music Box, which was awesome. So I got to see it on the big screen for the first time ever. Uh, was it on this, film? Yeah, I believe it was. They played this and Die Hard back to back as a wow. as a dual feature. So the music box, uh, as soon as we get through this fucking virus, it's my first stop. Um, but th this movie is very, very familiar to me. I, I love it. I've always loved it. I also think every single criticism levied at it as, is completely correct. Uh, I agree with everything. Um, this is a, a, yeah, an unbelievably that's... uneven movie that and, and and i think we've talked about this on the show i i hate rotten tomatoes i think it's worthless right. um this movie when i check now had a score of i think 65 percent. it used to be lower it used to be like 55 wow uh, this movie got creamed on release uh and i think it all of the points that it was criticized for are valid yeah and i think for such a huge hit that's almost unheard of now you know, 30 years after the fact, yeah. the kind of criticism that Home Alone was getting uh, what were, what was just be glossed critique? over. What were the critiques? Yeah. Incredibly uneven, um, you know, a, a simple premise stretched super, super thin, uh, cartoon violence with no explanation in the third act and an abrupt shift of tone uh, for it as well. Uh, unrealistic, uh, you know, as far as the stuff he does, it, almost everyone praised Macaulay Culkin and Catherine O'Hara. Mm -hmm. Some critics went after Macaulay Culkin as an actor, like his presence is better than his delivery and acting, which I think. What the um, fuck does that even mean? I think that means that you respond to how he looks and how he inhabits the being that. of that uh, kid more than his delivery. Sometimes his delivery I, is I, a little odd. Sometimes his eye line is a little off. Um, from where the actor he's acting against is, which may be that he's uh, looking to his, his coach on set or whatever. Um, oh, that is I see. Yeah. wild yeah. nitpicking that I very yeah. much am 
a big supporter of. I love that kind of weird criticism. You yeah. don't see that shit that much uh, anymore. I just think right. that ultimately it doesn't really matter. This exactly. movie is a lot of that, fun. Exactly. If you, if you don't like it, I, I could see why maybe um, if that kind of stuff really bothers you, maybe you wouldn't like it. Um, I mean, I know there's alternate readings of this movie where people ascribe more psychopathy to Kevin's character than maybe there is on there because he's, he's, a, he's essentially a criminal mastermind who has no remorse putting adults through incredible physical pain. Um, again, I think, that's, <laughs> I think that's awesome. Um, and I don't have a yeah. problem with it. And, he, and the only other character he really bonds with is the guy who is allegedly a serial killer um, which is confirmed in the film because he does then use his shovel as a weapon. So even that isn't ever like the guy tells him like, Hey, don't believe everything you hear. Then he shows up unannounced in a house. He doesn't with own and whacks two people with a shovel. I'm not convinced so he's not right. the serial killer. They're just so buddies right. now. Yeah. It's, it's which so is funny fine. because you're so, so many of these things I definitely thought, right? Like I definitely yeah. thought at the beginning, I was like, Oh, I, you know, people talk about Macaulay Culkin so much in this movie that I, looking back, I would have been like, oh, this is the best kid actor ever. But no, right. man, a lot of his reads are just straight up, like, saying the lines, you know? Yes. But it doesn't matter. That's it doesn't matter. Thing. Like, you know a movie yeah. is so good when that shit doesn't matter. It doesn't fucking matter. Yeah. I agree. I don't, I don't have a problem with any of, the, of you know, those points brought up. And I think it's interesting to read the contemporary reviews that go after that stuff harder. Now this is an accepted classic I, I don't, nothing that was dated before like the year 2000 that I could found said anything negative about it. Um, right. But I, I almost wish that those kind of old school look down your nose critics were still reviewing shit um, because I feel like most big budget smashes like this kind of get a free pass now. Mm. Um, and I do think it's worthwhile to have a couple stinkers in the mix pointing out some stuff like, okay, this didn't really work. It's not really right. that realistic but the kid could set up a thousand traps in a couple hours, including drawing up a very specific map showing you where they'd all go. Dude, I think about that all the time. In I am. Specifically, as a comedy writer, you know, Andrew, you know, we people are like, this, this is like unbelievable. Dude, okay. It's a fucking movie. Why well, agree. Like, <laughs> sometimes, dude, sometimes you just want to watch the fucking movie. And it well, doesn't I, need to be the most realistic thing ever. You know, I agree. Right. And, and this right. is a, a single, this is like a one joke movie. There's a, there's a single right. joke in this movie right. that is driven into and beyond the ground. And I really love that when it's done right. And it, it, it's not really something that you see that often anymore either. Like the kid is home no. alone. They say the phrase home alone in the movie. I love a movie that says the title of the movie right in the mm -hmm. middle of it. Amazing. Um, he does a bunch of shit that is, what you do if you were home alone, you'd have to grocery shop, you'd have to shower, you'd want to like use your right. dad's aftershave. And the premise and even brings... came from John Hughes being like, what if I left one of my kids? Yeah. Like and that was I his love, premise. I love that it goes, okay, what if someone tried to break into your house and then keeps going with that idea of, well, you'd have to defend your house given the stuff in your house, which is like paint cans, a fucking iron, uh, all this ridiculous yeah, shit. Yeah, I'm much I love more- it. I love taking that one premise all the way through to its conclusion. Yeah, I think I'm that's much... what, th this movie reminds me a lot more of Dumb and Dumber than any other movie because it is mm. that. It is the title mm. of the movie all the way through. It's right. not something and I was like say... funny people that's going to take forever and go on some weird tangent. It's like, this kid's home alone, yeah. and that's what happens. Yeah, right. and, as, and as much as I like the movie Funny People too, it's like, I appreciate how 
this movie, like I appreciate um, sometimes, maybe not all the time, but sometimes I appreciate um, cleverness over plausibility. And I feel like this is a great example of that. Like this movie is very clever in terms of like the, the Rube Goldberg type Love setups it. that he has. Like it's like, where not- do you get the mannequins? Right, exactly. You know? like, who, cares? You know, who gives who a cares? shit? Like it doesn't fucking, it's yeah. just like, like for all, for, and, and I think the reason why it's like somewhat plausible, it's like this family is, they're such a big family. It's like, you don't know what's in their attic. You know, like no. anything could be up there. And like- It's a massive and, there's even other things where it's like, you know, like the scene where, where Catherine O'Hara is like begging that old couple at the airport, right? One thing that I thought of was like when they eventually go, switch with her and they're like, okay, fine. I just thought like, wait a minute, what about if they checked bags? Like what happens then? <laughs> you know, like, like, wait, wait a minute. Like what? But then it's like that you have that thought for like maybe a fleeting minute and then there's a you know, then Macaulay's walking home with the groceries and they both rip at the same time. And that's Which is really the best, of, that's timing. the best effect shot in the film. That's incredible. Oh my God. How, I want to know how the fuck they did that. That was <laughs> such good timing. It's amazing. Dude, I was wondering, like when they were calling all the families on the street, I was like, not one family's home to go check on the kid. And then they break into one of the houses, other houses. And it's like, everyone's gone for Christmas. It's like, and it's established okay. early on because yeah. Pesci has scoped every house yeah. and is going over it with Marv saying, right. This entire block, no one's here. And that's right. why they're able to commit the robberies. What a fucking Taylor. bunch of privileged people they are. I know, dude. All get to go <laughs> away. Very, it is, dude. I mean, like, that's a whole, it's a, I thought that too. I would never, even three years ago, I wouldn't have thought that of just like how privileged the movie yeah. is, yeah. how white the movie is, all these things, you know? But like, it's still, it's a fucking great movie, dude. It's a yeah, great I don't, movie. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not knocking it for that. I'm just simply yeah, yeah, yeah. stating like, what a, you know, that's a that's a nice block to live on if you get to, if all you get to go away family, for Christmas. You know? yeah, yeah, exactly. Clearly fuck like rabbits, yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, and I love that kid that they mistake for Kevin. Gee, kid, I don't know, hit the road. Yeah, <laughs> that guy is so distressed in the moment. But That's a that's a perfect Chicago teamster, too. Yeah. Just, yeah, just driving guy, a van, hating life. Yeah. Vlamis, with you, you, with you and your acting, like, when you were a kid, did you, like, take after Macaulay Culkin at all? Were you, were you ever, like, kind of, like into like oh, i want to be like that did you watch this movie and think that or was it more like i just want to do it yeah dude I've, I've actually thought about that in like recent years i remember like mcconaughey's oscar speech where he was like my hero is me in 10 years and every God, year every you know speech. when he won for dallas buyers club yeah and i was like yeah Damn, that is some crazy shit but i really started thinking about it and it's like i never had a hero from an acting perspective um, okay my heroes were just like my parents and wanted to, you know, I don't know, be like them in certain ways. In other ways, I should never be like them. But in certain ways, you know, I wanted to be like them. But no, dude, I don't know if that's like a stubbornness or a pride or if it's like, you know, I, I, but I never found, uh, I never found that one person that I, I know a lot of people have found a lot of success on emulating other people. I've also, I've always been kind of the one of just like, do it the way that I want to do it. I won't be in my head that way. I'll just do it. Well, and I was going to I'll probably fail and, but I'll try again, you know, but right. yeah, back then, I mean, I started shooting movies in like third grade with a, a buddy brought a camera over his older brother had a camera. He was like, want to make a movie? I was like, okay. And we made this movie called land of the turtles. I played like eight different characters and it was like the coolest experience ever. And from there, it was less of like watching kid actors and more of just like, what are we shooting this weekend? What are we making this weekend? Right. Every weekend right. we shot something different. So it was kind of like just learning from my friends and what we were making first studying what these other kid actors were doing, because it was just for fun. It was never like, 
I could be Macaulay Culkin. I never, I had, I went to business school, you know, like I was never going to be Macaulay Culkin as a kid. Well, you have to have your parents kind of force you into that life and then uh, try to take all your money and then you have to emancipate yourself from them if you want to go the full Culkin route. Yeah, that's oh, true. Oh, yeah, dude. They, yeah, I heard about that. <laughs> well, what's funny, what's funny that you mentioned, like, doing things your own way, like, that's, I feel like in a weird way, that's kind of a theme of this movie, mm. is how he's like, this is my house, I have to defend it, and he just makes all this shit. Like, it's pretty, like, you know, he's using his ingenuity and, and like, his, his, you know, cleverness to, like, make this shit happen. I feel like most people, when they, like, would want to defend their house like they would yeah they would just like call the cops or whatever and like be okay that way but like he's like no i'm gonna like build this shit and it's funny man like you as an actor michael it's like you've built your shit your own way too it's like you you know like even getting roswell like you 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 did the audition in your own way and like you know you 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 got you even got the audition in your own way you know, right. like it wasn't a typical process where it's like, oh, he got called in. And now it's just, you had to even fight to get the audition, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, no, you're, you're 100% right. We, uh, I found out about the audition through my acting teacher at the time. She had coached somebody on it. And she was like, you'd be good for it. My reps tried to get me an audition. Casting was like, this kid only does comedy. He's not right for a dramatic show like this. Wow. And then, um, and then, yeah, after like a week of trying, my manager was like, dude, they're not going to see you. I'm sorry. I can't get you in. Just put yourself on tape. Here are, the, here are the audition scenes that they've been doing. Put yourself on tape. We'll send it in, see what happens. And we sent it in. And then finally, I got an audition the next morning. Showed up like so hungover because I was like out fucking like, wow. I was out, bro, celebrating another movie. I wasn't, I, nice. for the first time in my life, I wasn't living my life for the casting directors or for the job. Right, I was living right. my life for me, dude. And I, and I got that call like 930 and I, I answered the phone with my manager. I said, what's up, you handsome motherfucker? And he goes, are you drunk right now? I go, I'm about to be. He goes, put the booze down. They want to see you. They love the tape. And I go, what? Wow. And he's like, yeah, because I was fucking broke, dude. I had nothing. And he was yeah. like, yeah, I want to see you in the morning, uh, like 1030, whatever it was. And I was like, all right. I stayed out till four, went to Mel's Diner, got a bunch of cheese fries, uh, left my car at the bar I was at ubered home my roommate was also i was driving uber at the time my roommate was also driving uber i requested him in the uber app so he Made got paid money on the wait way which, which roommate spencer waldner nice, nice. Shout, yeah. Out. Yeah. shout out wald and shout out to all blamus um, goons yeah, <laughs> if you need a mask go to love wald's instagram you can get a mask um anyway yeah he makes good so, masks huh yeah dude no no so the kid took me there but yes dude like what you were saying long story short is I never had, I've never had success unless I've just done it wholeheartedly my way. And I've failed yeah, a lot yeah. of times doing it that way. But that's where I've also had my most success. Right, um, right. So, yeah, I mean, I don't know. It works differently for everybody else. But that's what Kevin McAllister does, man. He does it his way. The whole movie, you're like, why isn't he calling the cops yet? And then at the end of the movie, you're like, oh, he was just having fun, you know? Yeah, it's an anti-cop scared now, you know, like this oh. is, this is <laughs> yeah, he it. Breaks, he breaks the fourth wall out of nowhere, which he never does again, which I really like. Um, yeah it, it's almost like he's we're not supposed to be watching this shit like he doesn't care if we're there or not I yeah it. i also love it when he's under the bed and he moves the boxes and he's like this is ridiculous yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> i just i love wisecracking kids he's just smart but you know anyways yeah i mean obviously the verdict for this is still good you know still great okay. but like and it's like that's that's the thing some people might see this episode and be like why are you even of course it's still good why are you even talking about it but part of it is number one you know it didn't get great reviews 
and like that deserves to be acknowledged and how like you know and as bear said the irony is that those criticisms are all valid they're valid it, they're super they just, valid but it just doesn't matter because the thing is yeah. just so much damn fun yeah. and then the other part of it is what how we just wrapped up about like you know what the movie says in a weird way about like just doing things your way and Vlamis is you know you there i can't think of a better person to talk about that than you yeah. in terms I, of the, like, what you've accomplished so. this the movie gets a lot of mileage out of having really good performances it gets a huge lift from john williams and oh, yeah. everything else is fine it is kind of a comedy it's absolutely a horror film um at least for the last yeah, half terrifying of it. Um, oh yeah and when they and then when they meet him up at the at at the fucking uh when he enters the when he comes into the kitchen and they're like i'm gonna bite off your fingers that's really sinister he he accidentally bit one of his fingers in one of the tanks yeah he macaulay still has the scar yeah i i would love to get bitten by joe pesci that is better than than anything um i think it's an interesting movie i mean there's a lot of shit in here uh it's been you know, it's still relevant as a Christmas movie, certainly, mm. even though it's super of its oh, time. Yeah. Like this is another movie where a cell phone kind of ruins the whole premise. Um, but it, but it doesn't feel exist. dated. It does no, not. It's, feel it's able dated. to exist in the world right. of 1990. Like I noticed when he says, "What is he going to call the cops from a treehouse?" Exactly. And like for a split second, you're like, "Oh, I guess he could have had a phone." But like it doesn't. But yeah, the, doesn't the thing one. keeps moving. It doesn't. Yeah. There's lots of great floral pattern furniture, hideous wallpaper, ridiculous sconces on the inside of that house. That is, oh, yeah. I, I have been in that exact house as someone who grew up in the 90s a thousand times. 100%. It, it probably was like, you know, just a contemporary house. It is now like a fucking museum of the early 90s. So there, there's a period oh, yeah. piece element to it that I think keeps it actually always mm. relevant. Yeah. Um, it, it's great. I, it, I love it. The violence is amazingly over the top there there's a couple swears uh dano stern has a really good shit that apparently was an accident when his, he loses yeah. his shoe yeah there's no way this movie gets a pg rating in any other any other year this is i was thinking about that dude yeah no way no nah, no way it's rated pg um it's a hard, about home alone it's a hard pg <laughs> home alone uh, got pg as well I think, yeah, Dad. I, I think you're right. In Home Alone 2, yeah. if you watch Home Alone 2, and again, we're going to do another episode on Home Alone 2, yeah, yeah, spoilers. Yeah. But uh, they, there's a lot that gets cut out just on TV from Home Alone 2 because <laughs> mm, some of that violence is hardcore. And, oh, yeah. uh, I, I'm all about it. It's awesome. Amazing. Totally awesome. So as we wrap up here, Vlamis, um, is there anything you'd like to, like to plug? Let people know what you're doing. Let people know what you're up to. you got a lot going on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I would love to. Uh, so, you know, we're, we're wrapping or we're in the middle of shooting season three for our show, Roswell, New Mexico. The first two seasons are on Netflix right now. If anyone wants to binge them and catch up, um, season three might come out mid January. All depends on scheduling. Uh, a lot of TV shows are getting paused. When do you wrap shooting? Though. January? No, dude, we don't No, It's going to air while we, if it airs, then it'll be while we're shooting. We don't wrap till end of April. Um, oh wow you're there for a while holy shit yeah here for a while and then um in the meantime um my first produced feature film that i also star in called five years apart that came out this year so that's on itunes amazon um yeah i've Google seen Day, it it's really good voodoo whatever the fuck voodoo is you name it it's on there uh you can find it five years apart um tell me more about that then, what who directed that what's that movie about who my roommate find? another chicago guy went to ben, um well he didn't go to bennett but he's from like lions township area um Sweet. But yeah, Joe Manconi, it's about two brothers, uh, estranged brothers, born on the same day, five years apart, who also haven't seen each other in five years since they fought at the family Christmas party. 
and then like a wild weekend brings them back together um and it's really yeah, good dude, yeah yeah it's it's been um it's been really well reviewed and well received it came out in august it was i mean we made it on a shoestring budget you know first movie i produced and um dude i'm really proud of it another chicago actress is in it chloe bennett uh, who I actually met at a football game when I was 15 in high school. Uh, she stars opposite me, which is crazy. That wow. ended up, she ended up doing the film. And the great Australian Craig Lowe, who was in um, Lowe. our short film Accents. He's right. fucking, he's hilarious in it. Yes. Yeah, so I saw had, him in that and was like, I need to work with him. That's what it yes. was. Yeah. So we had, yeah, we had two Chicago actors. We had a Chicago director. We had another Milwaukee writer. Um, we have an Ohio DP, like, or no, no, maybe Indiana, Indiana DP. Like, it's all Midwest, you know? But you shot it uh, here in L.A., right? Uh, yeah, we shot in L.A., uh, like, 13-day shoot. Um, wow. But, yeah, man, I'm, I mean, dude, I'm so happy. I'm gearing up to hopefully direct my first feature in June. And um, Nice, man. Just keep going for it, man. Hustling merch. We got new merch on the way. Hell, line, yeah. Man. Yeah, you're one of the hardest workers I know, man. So Hey, dude, you too, keep man. Keep it up. Thanks for having. Thanks for coming, man. We we loved yeah, having. Thanks you. for having us. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I was about to say. I know. <laughs> thanks for having us, sir. God bless you, sir. Thanks, King. Thanks, King. Yeah, thanks, um, King. No, dude, this was so fun. I'd love to have an excuse to watch Home Alone again. Um, I oh, learned yeah. so much on this as well. This is awesome. Hell I want to yeah, be the man. next guest. Yeah, we'll have you back. We'll have you back. We'll have you back to discuss whatever, but we definitely should have you back to talk about the old Roswell. That'd be fun. That'd be fun in, in uh, yeah. John Hughes stuff too. Oh, yeah. Definitely. I mean, John Hughes just as a whole, yeah. He inspires me, man. I heard he wrote Home Alone in two weeks. He did. That's wild, yeah. And the last 40 pages were like eight hours eight, straight. Man, what, dude? That's crazy. <laughs> yeah, that's that's like, I don't, I don't believe it. You know, like, that's nuts. Yeah, some people are just like that good like not only that good but that driven and that right, just right. like they have blinders on and it's like this he just yeah, had it, it's such it a moment where he was peaking so fucking hard mm. uh, yeah and, it, and it's all it's nearly unmatched mm. he had a, a yeah. wonderful stretch uh from the yeah. 80s into the early 90s just just great yeah he really like uh, those movies are they're seminal i mean they they defined our fucking childhoods I'll never forget watching The Breakfast Club for the first time. I'll never forget it. Freshman year of, of high school. Just that movie really affected me. 100%. It's great. It's yeah, whatever, whatever you guys want, you guys let me know. I'm coming back. I uh, have Hell a yeah. We'll do it. Thanks, guys. And check us out um, at Still Good Show on Instagram. Um, stillgoodshow at gmail.com. If you want to send us an email, give us a topic to discuss you can find us on uh, our website stillgoodshow.com and please remember to give us a five-star review on apple podcasts spotify whatever again you can say terrible things about bear and i as long as you give us five stars you can say wonderful things about vlamis because he was a wonderful guest thank you sir thank you king um we will see you next time for home alone 2 in our christmas movies and christmas cocktails um series Take care, everybody. Stay safe. Goodbye. Cheers. Bye.